Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Truth About Real Estate Podcast. And today, I'm your host, Matthew Ma, and on this episode, we're talking about developing a money-making mindset and investing in real estate with co-founder of 3D Real Estate, Profit and Prairie Real Estate Investment Group, and multiple ways to wall and I keep. Thanks for being on the show today. Thanks so much for having me, Matthew. Yeah, excited to have you here. Um, at first, we're just talking earlier. Um, you're from Canada. What part of Canada are you in right now? Central Canada. So right between Alberta and Manitoba um, on the west. Nice. How's the weather over there right now? You know, right now we're just starting to get some really beautiful spring weather. The snow's all gone, although we've heard we might get more back tomorrow. But uh, yeah, <laughs> it is pretty nice right now. Cool. I'm glad to hear that. And then in Canada, too, what's going on over there in terms of, you know, we're going to jump in right now, but like what's going on in terms of COVID and how's the market doing in real estate in general? You know, the market overall in Canada is really, really hot right now. Uh, we, we're, we're still finding some uh, good deals, but definitely not in the major centers. We're going outside and looking in the smaller areas. Um, but uh, our most recent purchases have actually been in the U.S. in Memphis. Oh, nice. I can't wait to dive in deep into that. And right before we get started with that part of it, how did you get into real estate and what made you start investing into real estate? You know, my background's as a financial advisor, Matthew, and uh, as as always, my income was 100% tied to what was going on in the mutual fund markets. That's what I sold. And so I was just looking for another stream of income. Uh, like my book says, multiple ways to wealth, another stream of income. I love multiple streams of income. So we were looking at just adding one and we thought, I was hearing actually some of my uh, clients were coming in and taking money out of their portfolio to put it into real estate. And uh, I, I realized I really didn't understand real estate at all. Um, so when one of my clients kind of educated me a little bit, we signed up for some Robert Kiyosaki courses. Yeah. And you know what? The rest was history. Within two years, I sold my financial planning practice, couldn't even sell mutual funds anymore once I understood real estate. And um, we've never looked back. I'm so glad to hear that too. And yeah, Robert Kiyosaki, I think, you know, he has great videos, he has great books, of course, and just great topics in terms of like, you know, learning and really understanding the financial models of real estate investing. And he really broke it down, even for me, when I listened to it, watched it, read it all different ways, multiple times, it just makes you really think about the difference of financial advising, real estate investing and different strategies and benefits, uh, it really matters, right? And you uh, you mentioned you had a financial practice and to go from a financial practice to go into real estate investing, not exactly the same because in my in my role as a real estate agent, um, I see sometimes other companies, you know, financial advising is one way, right? Is this way or else is real estate this way? There's no like exactly true diversification because both people want to help you invest your funds in a different way. Yes. And and you know what? I actually used to advise people against investing in real estate. I, I said, like, really, now that I realize that it was really dumb stuff, but yeah. why would you invest in an asset classification like 3% a year? Yeah. And because I'm only thinking appreciation. I didn't understand all the ways that uh, that you make money in real estate. So uh, as, as a financial advisor that sold mutual funds, I was 100% trained on that. I'm yeah. only trained on that. They don't want you to know other stuff. So it wasn't until I started looking at uh, different avenues for myself that I started to realize, wow, I think I can help a lot of people here too. 
And I completely agree too. And I know like, for example, so example, like some life insurance people, they're like, Hey, I'm full on life insurance policies. I want to pr protect you, protect your family. And I totally get that. That's one way. It's not the only way. Financial advising is one way. Real estate investing is one way, but I would say everyone should be fairly open to saying that, Hey, for you and your family, you really need to figure out what you want to do, how it works, your risk tolerance and how you want to grow and have a financial team together to make the best decisions with you together. It's more fair than saying it's only one way to do business and to invest exactly yeah so yeah jumping from financials into real estate it's you know like when you start looking at the real estate model what were the benefits that you saw right away when you start listening to robert kiyosaki and you know going on into investing what did you see well you know i was earning two hundred and fifty thousand a year approximately sometimes more sometimes less but one of the things i liked about the mutual fund industry is i had a residual income coming in every month because uh, once you built up a certain book you got paid uh, trailer fees uh, like service fees on on your assets so i really liked the idea of recurring income so when i realized how real estate worked where you can get that recurring income from your renters uh that that was a big plus for me and then mortgage pay down is another really big plus for me so um depreciation appreciation forced appreciation like they're all really amazing ways but i think my absolute favorite is the mortgage pay down because no matter what's happening you're going to pay your mortgage down we're at a place near lives we're over twenty five thousand a month in mortgage pay down alone <laughs> and what robert kiyosaki taught us years ago the definition of wealth and being out of the rat race is somebody else paying for your mm -hmm. assets. So, you know, at one time, Matthew, I was, uh, I was a single mom uh, earning $1,200 a month. And now I can have one tenant paying me $1,200 a month. And we've got 778 doors. So not all of them are at $1,200 a month. Yeah. Let's say on average, $800 a month. Wow. Like what a difference from the life I used to lead, you know? That is a huge difference too. And I love the fact of residual income, passive income streams and having multiple passive income streams. That's really a great way and a great take on investing. I'm not sure why, even for me, like it challenges getting many people to understand that, hey, you really need to think about life as one life to live. You really need to find ways to create a better life for yourself. And one way for your family to do that is through passive income streams, whatever it may be, right? And the benefit of real passive income stream and different time. ones will perform at different times too, which yeah. is so awesome because if you have everything in one asset class, mm -hmm. uh, then, you know, the market's down, stock market, say, for example, your yeah. all your income is down. But, you know, they, they offset each other in a lot of ways. And that's the part, other part that I really like about it. There's always money coming in from somewhere, you know? Yeah, because I, I talked to a lot of um, investors and clients and we talk about like active income and passive income. And what I try to help explain is that, you know, pa real true passive income is something you can go. And I think Robert Kiyosaki says the best. You should be able to sleep and make money. And what that really means to me is that you're getting time back, time to help and be with your family, time to do anything you want, time to travel. You don't need to actively work and do a full-time job, do any side jobs you want. You're getting passive income streams and someone else is paying down. One thing you mentioned too is paying down your mortgage. That's a really big component of investing, Huge. being able to pay down your mortgage. So like, what do you mean when you say pay down your mortgage? How do you feel about that? Like, what does it do? Well, you know, there's, there's a couple of things I really like about it. One is uh, it just happens automatically. The mortgage is paid, the interest and the, the principal is paid at the same time. The, the tenants are the ones paying it. And then uh, it's also not 
uh, in my bank account so I can't spend it, you know? Uh, I, I love spending money. I like, you know, buying things and going places and stuff. And it's just a way to build wealth, again, where other people are contributing to that wealth. And um, and it, it's automatic, again, you know? And I think part of that, too, is like when I have discussions with people like, well, I can't buy real estate, I can't afford it. I'm like, realistically, you could if you, for example, you had a stable job and you're, you you have that risk factor. But let's say at any price point, it doesn't matter where you live. If you can take a look at your incomes, your savings, your partner savings, um, and use that to buy a property, it doesn't even have to be local property. It can be a you know international property. It can be um, another state, for example. But you really need to start looking at how to build a team, how to buy a property that's in your price point, and how to grow it and using that rental income to pay down the mortgage, right? Yeah, yeah. And and uh, home equity line, lines of credits are, you know, in our market, especially right now, like everything is hot. So there's lots of equity that people have in their homes. And I call that dead equity if you're not actually doing something with it because it's just sitting there. And, you know, you can turn around and, and leverage that and, yeah, do so much more than just having it sit there. That's true. There is actually a lot of debt equity into it. And even one of our podcast hosts, uh, guests, they're talking about like how to use that debt equity into other forms of income and creating better returns on it. Even with calculations showing you up front, you can make some good money with that debt equity. I know in um, some some cultures, we actually like to keep the equity there into the property. And the reason being is not the equity itself. It's just for stability, saying that no matter what happens tomorrow, the house is paid for. I don't have to worry about it. The next property all in you can use all the equity you want but the primary property they, they live in they keep all the equity and sometimes like wow that's actually a million two million dollar three million dollar equity sitting there you could use just a percentage of it and it's still be safe yeah i know like, my mindset is just this no matter what happens I'm, I'm gone tomorrow it's still there yeah i'm like okay i get it but you know think about it right 10 percent, 20 percent, it's still a lot of money to use for something else i agree with you <laughs> <laughs> but in terms of paying down in the you know revenue streams, the next part of it too is okay. You have a renter; they're helping you pay down your mortgage, and really, you might even cash flow right away when you have that pay down. And what happens is you're breaking down the mortgage, and at one point, maybe 20, 25, 30 years from now, you actually own the property free and clear and just pay taxes. But you actually have that positive, greater positive net income, and mm-hmm. that makes a huge difference. And, right? and the other thing we like too, Matthew, is being able to refinance our properties because, you know, you could potentially pull out five, six hundred thousand dollars and because it comes to you in the way of a loan, there's no taxes either. Which I love. <laughs> that is a good way too. So for example, let's say this, you look at equity growth and your property is growing over time and then you have more and more equity in there. You actually start refinancing it, cashing out and using that equity to buy other properties, right? And just keep yeah. growing and scaling it. Yeah. And one thing too, you you guys have already scaled to uh, hundreds of units already. Yeah. Yeah. How did that all start? We, we find it easier and easier all the time. Uh, we get better deals, more deals. Like we're always finding deals that other people just never seem to see. And uh, it, 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 we, we never set out and end up with this many doors. You know, our first goal when we started with Kiyosaki uh, was 50. We thought, oh, 50. We didn't care if it was five, 10 years. 50 was like so far out there. We had 50 doors within 18 months. And that's wow. what really opened my eyes. We were inducted into the Kiyosaki Hall of Fame for using many different strategies uh, that we were taught. Um, but it was when we really started focusing on multifamily that we really started noticing a difference too. That's true. I love multifamily. That's actually one of my favorite categories to be in. And I start. that's why I started my career in multifamily in real, as a real estate agent and investor. 
Um, so like, for example, when Robert Kiyosaki talks about it too, how did you guys jump into getting your first property and what was the challenges to get to your first property? Well, we, we actually had really good market in our uh, home city in the last five years. So we had almost, our house had almost doubled in value. So we had a bunch of equity that we could use. So we bought our first two properties with that equity. And, right. you know, our number one thing was we were scared of everything because we didn't know anything, Matthew, right? We we're brand new. We'd taken some education, but it was still scary. We, we were scared of tenants and toilets and roofs and furnaces and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> So um, uh, basically what really got us going is we bought the first couple on our own, but it was fearful. We partnered up with another couple who had taken the same training we did, but about two years prior. And they own like 20 houses. And they really took a lot of our fear away. And I think just because they had confidently done it for two years, they were cash flowing their properties. And, and I still remember them taking me into some of their properties and going, yeah. Oh, these are kind of scary. I wouldn't live here. And you go, you got to get that out of your head. You're not going to live here. You're not a renter, you know? So yeah. uh, that, that, those are some of the biggest things for us because uh, being, being in the industry for two years longer than us, they had some experience. They understood the markets. They understood which were the best rental areas to stay in and the ones to stay away from. And that just gave us a real comfort feeling uh, of moving forward and then growing. Sure. Like once you get into it, and I think the best part is, for example, having a mentor or having a way to get started and really getting out of your comfort zone and having a partner you can trust to get into the doors. And yes. once you start learning it and inside of it, then it becomes a lot more easier to start scaling because you already see the problems from day one, things you challenges, things you're learning. It's not a challenge directly. Indirectly, it's different, something you're not used to. But once you start learning it and getting comfortable, you start understanding more and you start saying, wow, this is possible. And the income that coming in, it makes it so much greater. Like you're actually seeing income coming in every month and you're like, wow, I can do this. And then it becomes all financial. You use your financial background to say, hey, I can actually start scaling this up now. Yes. Yeah. Because, you know, when we hit the 50 doors in 18 months, that got us the 5,000 month that we were hoping for. And that's when we realized that we could now leave what we were doing and and go straight into real estate. We, we just knew we could do better. And a lot of people thought I was absolutely crazy. Really? You're going to leave a 250000 a year, something you've been doing for 15 years that you like and love and all that kind of stuff. Great clients and and move on. But we said, yeah, we could. We just seen that it was uh, a great place to be. I also like the the safety factor of multi-residential buildings. I like the way that the financing worked for multis. And uh, I had a lot of uh, people that were interested in investing in real estate where when my blinders were on, never even thought of it. A lot of people talk about like, you know, buying multiple single family homes. I'm like, that's not actually, for me, it's not the best way because for example, I love multi-family homes because one roof, one foundation, one of each yes. or maybe two, but at the same time, it's just so much easier because you're per location. And as you start scaling the, the building to bigger buildings, it just gets simpler to manage, right? You're not driving to 10 different houses. You're driving to one property, one location, managing one of everything. Yeah. And it's faster that way. And the cost has just become so much easier to absorb, right? Yeah. And, and the other thing I like too, is, you know, uh, it, it's almost mandatory that you have professional property managers. One of the things I learned, Matthew, when, you know, when we got to 50 doors and we would go back to conferences and stuff and people would say to us, oh, how'd you grow so fast? Like I've been doing this for three years and I haven't even bought my first house and, you know, different stuff like that. And we compared ourselves to what they were doing. And, and what I found is most people 
who who had actually bought. So they got stuck at the three, four door area. Mm -hmm. And the reason why is because they chose to do all the property management themselves, all the tenants and toilet issues. And, and that got them stuck like three, four years later, they were stuck on these four doors. And they couldn't even imagine 50 because they were so busy working in the day-to-day -day crap of things. One other thing that we did really well right from the start, because both my husband and I were making good money doing what we were doing. It made no sense for us to property manage or um, uh, deal with, you know, tenants and toilets, any of that, any maintenance stuff. And I think that also what allowed us to scale because we weren't drawn into that day to day drama of dealing with all that stuff. We always left that to our partners were actually property managers. We left that to them and we were always the visionary. Okay, let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. And that's what allowed us to scale. I completely agree with you too. Um, you know, as a real estate agent investor and I actually manage properties too, not by choice, but for example, <laughs> to, to, I do, I do it to help my investors actually grow their portfolio. And then I okay. help them resell it and tend to exchange it to grow higher and higher. Yeah, but then to be better, it's actually is better to have a, a really good, property manager. And I think the key trade-off is this, understanding that the property manager is not ex expense, direct expense. It's actually investment. If you find the right property manager yes. and using that property manager, they have the access to all the vendors. They have access to all the contacts. They know pricing, they know values, but you have to be careful with who you choose because some of them will overcharge you on every single line item. Yes. If you look at my company management, we actually don't do that. We actually keep it really low cost effective, manage it, but we actually, our focus is to increase the value of the property yeah. to make them be able to sell it and exchange it for our better property. Yes, yes, that totally makes sense. We, we've had property managers use our building as an ATM, or we felt like it, you know, like every time they walked in the door, it cost us money. And it was like, and, and you know, even though we have property managers, you, you are still responsible. So you have to be on top of the property managers too. Yep. And I think the, the trick is this, understanding this, that each person has a different goal, right? Of course, and that's their business. But at the same time, you can look at the contracts, you can start to understand it, compare the contracts, see yes. how they charge, look at past examples too. Are they nickel and diming you everything they're doing? Maybe, I hope not. And the ones who actively work with you, knowing the fact that you're growing your portfolio, they wanna be there when you're growing your portfolio up. If they're yeah, bad at one property, they're one. not gonna take care of the properties, right? Exactly, yeah. It's exactly. a team effort. So find the team, right, to make the effort and it'll, it'll work. Yeah, and totally then agree. <laughs> getting your time back is the important part too. Like you said, emotions uh, tied into like being busy. You're managing all this active day to day. That's not the reason you became an investor to manage toilets, you know, to fix these things. It's really to build the financial and build the visionary part of growing the portfolio. Yeah, it absolutely is. And and you can get drawn into it easily because I, I know what's happened to us before where we've got drawn into it. Oh, we might have not been happy with our property manager. So now we start, you know, overseeing them a lot closer. You just get rid of them and get a new one that you can trust. You know, so we have got drawn into the drama before and it's caused us to slow our growth at, at those particular times too. I think the challenge is because, oh, I can do it better. Of course you can do it better, but th that's not the point. The point is you really need to learn how to delegate and become a leader. That's the challenge, really. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's always hard for everyone to become a leader and to delegate everything out to trust and earn trust, right? You yeah. give it up front first, but you have to, they have to keep earning it every day to maintain it. Yes. So totally that's true. the challenge I see a lot of people happen. So yeah. when you're buying these real estate properties and building up, what were some of the first mistakes um, that happened throughout investing? And like, how do you over, how did you overcome those? Well, you know, even buying our original condos, um, they were they were older buildings, so the condo fees went up 
extremely high. We still own them, but they're just kind of in a break-even position because the condo fees are so high. But we're also at a position where we can't get any single-family mortgages anymore, so there's no point giving them up. We're at least getting mortgage pay down, all that kind of stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, st stuff like that, uh, just not thinking properly, not being around the right people. Uh, we, we've bought buildings that were both BRR strategy and turnkey, and we like them both. Uh, we've had, you know, different different uh success with with both strategies so uh we like all of that we're we're not um tied to any specific area we just want cash flowing properties that's one of our main things that got to be cash flowing <laughs> cash is king right yeah that is very true and some people will tell you i love it too i love the cash plus the equity okay let's do that oh yes 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 <laughs> Those are the fun Especially ones. Especially the forced equity, right? Yep, forced um, equity. Like the the ones that we just bought in Memphis, we paid twenty one six hundred a door. Well, you can't even come close to building at that. We'll put another maybe fifteen sixteen a door in, but then they'll be worth fifty five to sixty a door, just as is, just basic workforce housing, and and that's huge. And like I said, you can't even build them for that right now. So those are the things to uh, be be uh, wary of too. That's very true. I see some of that. I'm like. The house is so cheap. Like I can't even build a bathroom in San Francisco for that price of the house. <laughs> I know, I'm like, I know. It doesn't even make sense. But yeah. okay, if I can buy that and then do some forced appreciation on it and get a good renter in it, and you know, then it helps, right? Yeah, yeah. But then the, I guess some people's mindset be will be like this too. Well, if the house is that cheap, how am I going to get a renter who's going to pay and take care of the house once I remodel everything, anyways? Yeah, well, yeah. You have to work hard and learn and earn and make it happen, right? Yeah. And find out how to make it happen. Yeah. That's how you create appreciation and value. Yeah, totally. And, you know, I think the other benefit right now, too, with all the uh, trillions of dollars being printed by the government, I think, uh, and, and always, real estate's always been a real estate hedge, uh, inflation hedge, but we're going to see a lot more of that going forward, too. Can you speak upon that? Like, how's, how does inflation work? How does betting on real estate during this time period and with, um, you know, excess cash coming in right now, how does that change the market? Well, you know, it's uh, it, it, inflation has always been something that eats away at the value of people's money. So uh, to be able to keep your assets up with inflation is a huge key on building your wealth. Um, you know, people who, who say invest in a term deposit, GIC type investment, they might get, you know, 2%, but half of it goes to taxes immediately. And then, you know, inflation is more than 1% a year. So you're actually going backwards every year. And people don't think of that. You know, if you take into consideration the low interest rates we have right now, um, and I'm not sure what you guys are paying in the US, but we're getting some of our apartment buildings at one and a half, two 2% okay. interest rates. Yeah. I wish. You know, yeah, I know. When you take inflation into account with that, Matthew, we're actually getting paid to hold a mortgage. Isn't that crazy? That's very crazy. Yeah. I think more people need to really understand uh, how inflation works. What does it mean? What's the simplest way to describe it? And I think one way is this. If you leave your money in a bank, you're actually losing money every day, just leaving it there, not doing anything with it. You really need to use it and put it to use to make money, not just spend it, of course, to make money, right? Yes, and people are like, what do you mean I'm losing money? It's a dollar, it's a dollar. I'm like, no, it's not. You're actually losing a lot if you look at inflation, right? Yeah. Yeah. Per a lot year of over the last five years, 10 years. Take that into consideration. It's just not a thought process. But, you know, even as a financial advisor, we always had to put that when we were running our numbers because inflation does, it eats away.
I don't think like if you look at a lot of financial models, not financial advisors, but just financial models in general, you know how online is so, so simplistic. They never talk about inflation. Not all of them talk about inflation and hedging your bets and growing, right? They just mm -hmm. talk about here's the exact dollar for dollar calculation today, only today. Exactly. Like, it makes like, you look like you have a fortune, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because when it, when it, the real time comes along, it's actually worth half of what uh, it looks like. Yeah, and then they're like, what happened? I'm like, well, did you think about inflation? Did you think about taxation? They're like, no, it wasn't in the calculator. I'm like, well, that's not how it works exactly, yeah. you know? <laughs> exactly. That's the scary part of things, too. And I think one thing, too, back in, like, you know, high school and college and education-wise in the, in the U.S. for us, I don't really see too much of it where they talk about real-life scenarios and real-life investing in financials, you know, and understanding the real-life part of it. No. No, that's yeah. not so true. You know, people ask me sometimes, and what's your favorite book? Well, my favorite book that Robert Kiyosaki wrote is Why Do A Students Work for C Students and B Students Work for the Government? And the reason I love it so much is I was a C student. But you know what? All through school, I was um, looked down upon for being an average student, right? But now out in the real world, I've realized that that is a huge strength to have. And now why we employ those A students, right? Because um, we, we just have a way of thinking that uh, allows us to move forward, take risks, understand a multitude of things without having to dive really deep to try to learn every nuance of everything. And that's a real strength. And uh, you're not given any credence for that throughout school. You're absolutely right. I think even like Elon Musk talks about that too, how he actually looks for people who have done everything out there, not just educated themselves to the best and completely understand that. But at the same time, the people who have experienced everything and understand it and know how to take that to the next level, yes. those are the ones they really want. Yeah. Or at least open to uh, studying something and learning something new, not get that fixed mindset that this is the way it's always been done. <laughs> but yeah, let's, uh, let's, let's see what we can, what else we can do. One of the th sayings I have on my desk is, uh, uh, how can we look at this differently? Just as a reminder, you know, even when deals come across my desk, I always tell my students, you know, um, you don't always find a deal, but you, sometimes you create that deal. And that's the part that uh, really makes you a lot of money is if you can get creative and actually make it a really good deal. That's a really good point. Um, I was talk, uh, hearing about that too, and we're talking about it too. What do you mean create your own deals? Is that possible? Is that, can't you just, you know, I just, whatever they said, the list price, and I'm just going to buy it or not, right? What do you yeah. mean create your own deal? Well, you know, sometimes, and, and this is just, um, just, this is just one way that has worked for us. But uh, for example, we use a lot of joint venture partners and, and syndication uh, capital for our deals. And when we initially analyze a deal, because we got to send it out to our investors very quickly. So we, we go with the basic numbers, 25% down, 25-year amortization, you know, certain amount of interest rate, da-da-da, what does it look like? So that's that's what we send out to the potential investors. And this one particular deal I'm thinking of, uh, we were looking for 900,000 to be able to close on this deal. Well, as we we're going through our due diligence process and, and connecting with the vendor and stuff, we ended up um, getting 85% financing from the lender, not 75. So that's a big, big uh, uh, amount less that we need for capital from investors. Then we got vendor financing for another 10%. We really only had to put 5% in that deal. Well, right. that is a creative deal. So in the long run, our investors ended up owning 10% of the deal and we own 90. But it was all because of what we did to make that happen and 
and just really needed very little capital to close on a deal. I've had students close on deals with 2% of their own money in closing costs. That's really good. Yeah. And I think, yeah, the key word is creativity, finding ways to help each other reach the goal and finding ways to create solutions to do that, right? And it's all about asking, figuring out figuring out the goals for everyone uh, to make it work and then putting the deal together creatively and finding ways and solutions to do that, whether it's just direct loan, creative loans, seller carryback loans, other options. There's so many ways, but you don't know unless you ask or figure it out and try. Yeah. And it doesn't hurt to try because sometimes you can actually do it and you like unexpectedly, wow, that's actually a really good deal now put together in a different way. Yeah, exactly. And you know, another thing that I teach my students is, you know, a lot of people are, they're in learning mode. I'm learning, I'm learning, I'm learning, I'm learning. I go to this course and that course and read this book and talk to this person. And I, I know, they, I always tell them, you probably know more than I do. They fail to take action. And, and I tell people, you, you know, you can study till the cows come home, but it's not till you actually own a building that you're really going to realize that, yeah, I know what I'm doing, you know? And so you got to take action, move forward with faith and, and just, just know that, uh, you know, the biggest wealth has been built in real estate. Why not you? You know? That's very true. And if you look at um, even financial institutions and just real estate in general, a lot of the biggest investors, institutional investors, all invest in real estate. So why aren't other normal people like us in investing in real estate more yeah. so, right? Yeah. I think there's the fear or else you can see this. Not everyone wants to teach you that because they don't want you to do it, right? They want to keep it for themselves. But realistically, yeah, there's enough. a lot of people out here like you Edna, and us um, providing a lot of value to show people that anyone can do it at whatever age you are and wherever it needs to be, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Why is it so hard for people to get to the first property, to buy the first property? Why is it? Well, you know, I remember when we bought our first property, Matthew, and it's the fear, the fear of the unknown. You're doing something different. Um, and, you know, everybody wants to tell you the horror stories of everything that they ever heard that went wrong. And you see yeah. you're going to buy something. It's like, Oh, I heard about this time when this tenant trashed this place. And I heard about this and I heard about that. And you can't kick your tenants out. You know, all these horror stories come up. And I think that that scares most people. I think so too. And I, one thing I think of too, is like, you really got to get rid of the naysayers just because they say, no, it can't work. It won't work. It, you're going to lose. You're going to get hurt. It, it doesn't always ring true and make sense because they might not have, might not be for them. But if you knew in the general population, there's so many people do investing in real estate, you know, it works. Otherwise they would all not be doing it. Right. Yeah. And, and you know what I tell, I tell the students too, is when you're wanting to do something, whatever it happens to be, take your lessons from somebody who's done it. Like, are you going to go to a, uh, a fat fitness trainer. No. Are you going to go to your uncle who's on welfare and say, honey, should I buy real estate? No. You know, like you have to think about that. Uh, if they've never done it before, of course, they're going to tell you no, because they're trying to protect you. They're, they're fearful for you. Don't listen to those people. If you want to do something different, go to people who've had success doing that. Exactly. You know, you surround yourself with the best and you'll become one of them really easily, right? And exactly. You're you're the average of the five people around you. Of the people that you hang around with. And and so many people 
don't want to wrap their head around that because oh these have my, been my friends since high school yeah okay well you make your choices <laughs> yeah i think a lot of people get stuck on autopilot like real life they're getting stuck on autopilot like ah, family kids whatever you're working you're just autopilot adult your whole life and later you look back and like what happened right yeah. if you're really ambitious and you're goal driven you want to get things done you want to change your life then you really have to move forward and like start working and researching doing and executing upon what you want and finding people around you who will do it too who Absolutely. have done it right? yeah, yeah being around like-minded people really helps a lot uh like-minded people that are doing what you want to do uh, whether whatever it is fitness uh eating right you know it, it's you, you can you feel it you be around people who wouldn't think uh you know twice about drinking a 40 on the weekend well <laughs> guess what you're probably gonna do the same exactly like if you hang out with a guy who drinks 40s all day versus a, a guy who's working out all day and has a six-pack you're probably going to become like that if you, if exactly. you hang around them all day yeah yeah it's that motivation the mental energy you need it's the you know mindset shift to make it, it really happen right? shift. yeah yeah so you know in your education organization you guys have a company called multiple ways to wealth what do you guys do and what do you guys um offer to members and how does that really help well, you know what, I find that uh, a lot of people and, and it's probably because as you said earlier, it's what most people do. So that's what it's trained on. And even when we started, we were trained on how to buy a single family home, how to buy, you know, maybe a duplex or fourplex at, at the top end. Um, focusing on multifamily has really opened our eyes. First of all, after so many mortgages, you're cut off usually. So generally, I work with students who already have had bought a few properties, and they want to scale, but they already are seeing their limitations. I can't get any more mortgages. I uh, ran out of my own money, different stuff like that. So that's where we've really been able to help people show them how they can use investor capital and why investors want to invest with them. And, uh, and the ability to get mortgages in, uh, in multifamily is a whole different ballgame from single family, because single families are they look at you as what's your income? Uh, can you afford to pay for this if the tenants move out? <clears throat> With the multifamily, it's treated like a business. Do the income cover the expenses and the mortgage? And so, so right away, they're taking the focus off of you as the as the only person to be making the payments on this. Uh, they take into account that the tenants pay the mortgage, you know, all that kind of stuff. So that that's the biggest thing is you don't have to start with single family homes. Most people do. Uh, I, I like to deal with people who've, who've had, you know, maybe a little bit of experience because I don't want to teach the whole, you know, why is real estate great? I want people to already know it is. And then I can help them scale uh, because that's kind of been our specialty. When we, What we've been able to do over the years, uh, we can show people how to do, you know, what what parts they need to learn so that they can do the same thing. That makes a lot of sense. It's like, for example, training a new person to do to do anything versus training someone who already has done it but needs help accelerating their their real estate portfolio. Then you step in to help them accelerate it yeah. and really learn. And I think the key thing here too is um qualifications. So qualifications means, for example, you're buying one to four units, you're gonna have a limitation. Most likely most banks are like five, ten, maybe fifteen. If you're lucky, you find the right diversified portfolio who give you fifteen. But after that, you're kind of getting stuck in qualifications. So you really need to look into commercial real estate, multifamilies, and learning how to use that because that's totally separate and it's not tied personally back to you. So you can start scaling like crazy as long as you can qualify, right? Yeah. And the building, well, the building qualifies. 
one of my students, Matthew, he, has, he was telling his sister, hey, we're going to be taking possession of a 32 unit. And she says, oh, I don't know how you can sleep at night. 32 units, that's a heck of a mortgage to be paying by yourself. And he says, ah, that's the key. I don't pay it by myself. I have 32 tenants paying that mortgage. My, my multifamily with 32 units is less risky than you and your husband paying for a house. There's two people in your house paying that mortgage. What if something happens to one of you? You're probably going to lose your house. I have 30. If two people left my building, I wouldn't even notice. Yep, exactly. And I don't know why. Like I, I tell people about that too. Like, well, wait, it's my house. I have a job. I'll be fine. Like, no, if you have issues and you you can't pay the rent, that's 100% vacancy. It's 100% issues, liability to you. When we're 32 units, we're just say 10 units. That's only 10%. 30 units is like 3%, right? Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, wait, but you have more risk. I'm like, how? I only have 32 tenants. So two people is 6%, for example, versus you have 100%. Two unit, you have 50%. They're like, no. I'm like, <laughs> They're just not willing to listen, right? Yeah, they're like they open their minds to that. Yeah, I'm like, okay, you know, but if you just show mathematically, it's math. Math is true fact. So yeah. true facts take a percentage, take a calculation of variance of um how much vacancy, even 10, 25 percent, it's still less risky. Yeah, yeah, that, absolutely. So that's a challenge to educate them and show them different. But people might think you're selling them, but realistically, when you know when they see the big picture, when they start investing, and when they open their mind to investing, they're like, okay, actually, this does make way more sense. Why didn't someone teach us before? Well, we all tried to, but you didn't. You weren't there yet. So Lots it's okay. <laughs> you know, that's okay. We'll wait, we'll wait. No worries. Yeah. When you're ready. When you're ready, we're here when to help. Ready, the teacher will appear. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, that's like always frustrating and challenging because our goal is always to provide so much massive value, help so many people and really want to help our family and friends invest and really build massive wealth and passive income. I've been doing passive income for 14 years already and it's been amazing, right? We're almost the exact same time in then, Matthew, because in June, it'll nice. be 14 years since we took our first training and September... 14 years ago that we bought our first property. Congrats. That's yeah. a lot, right? Yeah. It wasn't easy. It took a lot of work, but you were courageous enough to do it. And you see what happens 14 years later, how much you've done. I don't think most people can imagine that. They can't. We couldn't when we started. Yeah. Like I said, our goal was 50 and we didn't care. Five, 10 years. It was <laughs> like that number was so far out there for us. We couldn't see any higher. You just have to focus on the first one and then go to the second one, third one. But yeah. I think too many people get stuck in their day-to-day -day jobs and they're always helping people. Like, great, I love helping people, but you still need to help your own family. You still need to focus on yourself and invest for your family and create generational wealth yes. and have wealth preservation. I don't think many people understand what wealth preservation really means. No, no, I don't either. And, you know, another an an analogy I give to people all the time, too, is you you have to help yourself first because it's like on an airplane. If the, those masks drop down and you start running around putting masks on everybody and you fall dead, mm -hmm. how good are you to anybody? You got to put your own mask on first. So, you know, even when you're doing creative deals, um, you get to create them however suits you, you know. Also, another thing too is that's a perfectly great example. Another thing too is like lead by example. So if you want to be an investor, you want to invest, you want to help people invest, how many doors are you doing? How much have you invested? And how are you growing in? What challenges are you facing directly first in the front line? Like I love being in the front line. I'll take all the shots I need to take and I'll fail all day. It doesn't matter because I'm learning every single moment. Yes. It's okay, you know? Yeah. yeah. But it's yeah. hard. That mental mindset's hard to take, you know? People don't want to yeah. be in front of everything. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, they don't realize too, that the world is designed, the, the universe is designed to give you what you want. 
you just have to focus on what it is that you want. It's like the the law of gravity. If you focus on what you want, you've got to get it, you know? Law of attraction, law of gravity is exactly, exactly. You really need to focus on it. I'm sure people look at like, hey, look at Elon Musk. You know he failed every day, but look at him. He's building everything around the world and doing everything that mankind cannot do or believe they can do. He's doing all of them, right? At the same time, I don't even know how he does it. I know, I know. Like, how <laughs> you are know, you doing so we're, many We're capable things? of so much more than we can imagine ourselves doing, right? Exactly. So like, what's stopping us stopping people from doing it? It's, it really is. And I hate to say it all the time that it really is our just own personal beliefs, our mindset, our negativity around us that surrounds us and changes who we are. And really, we should really get rid of that to, f to focus on what you really want yourself, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Those limiting beliefs. I tell people, you know, some of these limiting beliefs that you have were planted into your subconscious mind before you were four years old, and you're mm -hmm. still living them. Like yep. you can let that go. You can make those conscious changes, but you can't make those changes until you're actually aware of, you know, some of those things that were planted in your brain many, many years ago. Yeah, I actually see that too. You actually think about like people who eat healthy, work out and everything. You can see like there's a cloud lifted, but at the same time, you can tell from your parents and everyone else, they put all these things in your, uh, create when they, you know, when you're raised, you're, you got all these positive and negative things so I actually for me I have two little kids but I actually try to be self-aware of what I'm saying to them and I try to not say no I try to say how why what can you do to make it better and how can you have different opinions have better open ideas you know yeah yeah me too with the kids and 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 I see you know by them having us in their lives they're they're more open to stuff than we were i was yeah. scared to travel and everything when i was younger because we were kind of <laughs> led to believe that there's bad people out there <laughs> you there, know there are but you know as a parent there are a lot of bad people out there but you you can handle it you can be aware right and try yeah. to watch your surroundings and understand what the intentions might be listen to your but, intuition and your gut you know exactly yeah just like real estate, you got to listen to your intuition too and gut, and then sometimes don't believe it because it's not true. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, too. You got to know the difference, right? You got to tell the difference, really understand it. That fear might be only for 10 seconds, 30 seconds, two minutes. Like if you're drowning in cold water, it's not because you're actually drowning, it's because the cold water shock is shocking you, right? But if you can get yeah. over that shock within that two minute period, then your mind will be back to normal and then you yeah. just take the action, right? But it's that fear that's hard to do it. So, like in your um, in your organization, multiple ways to wealth. How have you have any good examples of how you help people accelerate their um, real estate portfolios and what challenges they went through and how you guys helped them overcome it and how have they hopefully getting to financial freedom? You know what I do, Matthew, and one of the first things I'm actually doing a workshop on it uh, tomorrow is getting your offer accepted. You know, there's so many people and, and as a realtor, you'll realize this. They want to analyze the deal and they want to find investors and they want to know everything. They want to dive deep before they ever even make that offer. Well, if it's a decent deal, it's going to be gone. So one of the first things I get my students to do is just make an offer. If it, I don't care if it looks decent or not. You can always create it to be decent. Um, but here's a live example of the student I, I was just working with. He went in, and, and this is a hot market we're talking about, 150000 more than asking. And the person who got the offer went in at 300000 more than asking. But you know what? The final price was less than what my client offered. So the key, first of all, was to get the building under contract. 
You're negotiating from to from then till the day you take possession. And lots of people don't wrap their head around that. And they think that they like a house, they have to make their decision and buy it within a week or two. No, you got 90 days to do your due diligence. And you have to take that time. And your original offer price really doesn't matter. Yeah, like in commercial real estate multifamilies especially you have time to negotiate and people use a lot of letter of intents they write it wherever some people write sight and scene they just put all these letters out there and if someone accepts it then they start doing the due diligence from, from that day forward and really figuring out the nuts and bolts because no matter what you can't really see and understand the full picture until you actually get into contract and look at the full disclosure package the full PLs, the property itself and even sellers might not understand the building themselves because it is so big right yeah. you don't yeah, really exactly. know yeah, and exactly. then that, that means there's room to negotiate be between it yeah but some people say oh i'm just stuck here i paid overpaid and i don't want any more i cancel out well yeah. did you try to negotiate no i didn't bother asking well why not i know and then that's when vendor financing comes in to help sweeten mm -hmm. the deal and and you know i've had students get vendor financing at zero percent interest for the first six months you know all kinds of stuff and and a lot of people just they just don't even think that's possible. So like you said, they don't even try, right? Yeah, you have to ask and figure out and talk to your vendors and your team and, and others in the advisory role to understand like, hey, what's the big picture? How do we make it work? There's some issues that popped up. Seller might not be aware. They might be open to negotiating it too because now they found out there's some issues like sewers, um, whatever, right? That's yeah. a big one. Yeah. Um, maintenance and if you, 260 units, for example, to 100 units, I'm sure most sellers have not seen every single unit in a 100 unit building. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's all perfect. Every house is, every unit is perfect. There's nothing, there's nothing <laughs> well, wrong. We're going to show you the three that are perfect and make you think that the rest are the same. <laughs> exactly. What happened to the other 50 here? That looks like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> like they're pretty beat up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's due diligence. Really, really good due diligence is going through every single unit in the whole building, staying there for a week, a month, whatever you need to make sure you're doing everything you can for your investor. Yeah. Yeah, that's hard though. It's not easy. It's not easy, but it's not easy well, making really good money, right? It's not. And that's where the work comes in. And you got to be prepared to do the work. I have people every once in a while that'll sign up for my course, never show up. And uh, I had one guy one time, he said to me about three months later, he says, well, frankly, I thought I would own a building by now. And I said, really? By osmosis? You haven't even done your homework assignments. Like, hello. <laughs> oh, but I listened. I said, yeah, well, that doesn't help. You need to actually, one of the homework assignments is build your team. You have to start building your team. If you don't do that, even if you find the best deal on earth, you got nobody to help you close on it. So you're dead in the water. That's so true. Like, and people, you know, get inundated with being busy and they don't like, they have a goal, but they don't execute on. I think the hardest part is execution, like taking that step by step. And if, you, if you guys are breaking everything down for them and they're still not doing it, then it's tough. But I understand too, you know, as coaches and mentors, we can only do so much. And we know the 8020 book too, that 20% of our students are going to take and do and take action. And out of those 20, maybe only 5% actually do it really well. And the other ones are trying, but the other 80 are not doing anything. Even though they and, and, you know, some people, their goal is just own one building and then they're mm -hmm. kind of set. Other yeah. people, they want to own like a hundred buildings. So everybody has different goals. It is. That's very true too. And as, as you know, coaches, we understand what you want and want to help you and just try to help you hit your goal. And as much as much as we can try to pushing them and helping them, guiding them, they don't always receive and accept and are open to the fear and the change. Right? Yes, Absolutely. That is the tough part, but I think, you know, as a teacher too, you're, I'm, I'm sure you're having a lot of fun. 
Oh, I love it. You know, uh, people say, well, why do you do this? you got all this real estate. Do you really need to work? No, but what the heck else would I do with my time? And I love, I said, you know, I can't buy every building out there, but I can help people buy a lot of buildings. And I live vicariously through my students as well, because it's exciting for me to help them, you know, get that property under contract and negotiate all this stuff and make sure that the numbers are going to work and that they're able to get it financed and da, 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 da. But I don't need to own it afterwards, you know? Exactly. Like, you know, I think from our mindsets, we, we really want to share and help people and guide them. And I don't need to be, for example, I don't need to be a person who owns all the money or all the properties. That doesn't matter. But if I can help a hundred people, a thousand people, or even one person do it, then you really feel more accomplished, right? And by giving back, you are you know in your future that you're going to be so successful regardless because you have all these people who helped in life. Well, and we know what help we've got from coaches and mentors over the years. We couldn't be where we are today without. I've had a coach since 1999 and got my first one when I was a financial advisor. I have never been without one since. Sometimes I'm working with two or three, you know? Wait, you need that too. Even as a coach, they all coaches need a coach too, because you're only looking out for your, for example, you're looking out for your students, but who's looking out for you? Exactly. You need yeah, we all have our blind spots, right, Matthew? Exactly. You yeah. know, for example, you need a health coach, you need a fitness coach, you need a real estate coach, you need a financial coach, you need one of everything, right? Just to yeah. really build it out. And by doing that, you know, accountability coach too, especially that's the number one thing you need accountability because otherwise days are gone every single day. It's already what, five o'clock now you're gone, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That is the change too. So like in coaching, are you guys like, what? what's the main emphasis when you're helping people scale up, scale? Is it mindset? Is it really building the team out? What, like, what I would say them? that 90, 95% is mindset because that's the part that I find people uh, really holds them back is they get in their mind. And, and some of this, Matthew, could be a limiting belief like before, like I said, before they're four years old, it's paradigms they don't even know they have. And it, it might be, I, it, they might be telling themselves every day, I can't find a deal. I can't find a deal. I can't find investors. I can't find <laughs> investors. And it's like, if you keep telling yourself that, guess what? That's, that's exactly it. You got to tell yourself the best deals come to me. The easiest investors come to me. I find money whenever I need it. That That's a really good start because People, I don't even realize how important it is what you say when you talk to yourself. Um, and, you know, you can have all the coaches in the world, but if you're not listening to them and being coachable and following what they tell you to do, you're still not going to get anywhere. I think that's very true. And I think uh, one thing is you see a lot of really successful coaches and leaders, they have a lot of affirmations and they really hone in on that because that really changed your mindset. And once you believe it, you envision it you can do it. And people say that, no, that's BS, right? No, it really does work if you actually do it, right? Yeah. And if, if you're not using auto-suggestion in your life, you're literally robbing yourself of money coming into your pocket every day. Uh, and uh, lots of people don't realize that. And and you, and you it's got to be every day too. It's not just sporadic. Uh, you know, I've had lots of success over my life, but I've had times too where I plateaued and I realized it's because I'm not doing what I always did to get me here. So where yeah. do I have to do what I have to do again? New level, new devil. Uh, or what new do I have to do to, to make it to the next level? That's exact point. And you talk about levels too. Like in our real estate investing and coaching, uh, we help our agents like really understand like 
think of it as like gamification in a way, right? Like you really, our goal is to help you level up. And what we mean that by that is really build a strong foundation and really help you learn one thing at a time. I'm not going to put you level 99 because you're not going to get there that quickly. You have to really focus on these things, get rid of all the holes in it and understand and educate yourself and train and keep going up level by level. But people who actually do it, they're getting to unbelievable heights because they just understand focus and execution. Yeah, absolutely. That's the toughest challenge for anyone too. What books or seminars or things that you've went to or heard of uh, kind of helped you with the greatest impact in, in your business and into your coaching business? Well, uh, I mentioned earlier, my, one of my favorite books is that one by Robert Kiyosaki. Why do yeah. A students work for C students and B students work for the government? But, you know, many. Um, I've studied law of attraction and mindset for many, many years as well, uh, just to continually improve my own. And, and then, of course, I started finding that that was some of the most important parts about real estate is, is just growing yourself as a person, too. Um, uh, ask and it is given. I love that book so much. I got a tattoo on my arm. I don't know oh, if you nice. see it, but ask and it is given because <laughs> a lot of people don't understand how the universe works and that it's designed to give you whatever you want if you focus on it. And that that's another thing that people need to realize, move forward in faith that things are have a way of working out for you, you know? So uh, book, books along those lines have made a big difference. Think and Grow Rich, absolutely yeah. love that book. Um, and you know, our initial training with Robert Kiyosaki Group was awesome. It, it We didn't know when we started um, that we were gonna end up in multifamily. It was just one of the things we were taught. And it took us a few years, actually that was a, the building we bought going into 18 months that pushed us over the 50 was a 24 unit. Um, but that that was, you know, the first year we were just kind of trying to figure that out. And once we figured it out, we just uh, stayed in the multifamily arena. And that's really what's been able to allow us to scale. So uh, people need to know a general overview, but I also think they have to end up in a specialty because if you generalize and do 150 things, you can't really be good at any one of those 150 things. Very true. And that's a great top, uh, great point too. You know, like you mentioned like multifamily, for example, versus single family versus commercial office buildings, storage units, um, senior housing, like what attracted you to the multifamily part of it? And like, how does that work with also choosing to joint venture some of the deals with other partners? Well, for us, it was just, it was the scalability. We noticed that right away. Like I said, we'd got, and we used joint venture partners for houses too. That's how we got to, I think, our first 26 doors or whatever was our, not just ourselves, but joint venture partners. And, and I was sitting in a realtor's office one day and telling him, yeah, we're going to buy 20 more houses this year. And he said, we'll just buy a multifamily. Oh, no, I'm not ready for that. You know, I just didn't even think that was possible. You know, like Monopoly, you got to own so many houses before you can buy a hotel. That's how that was my thinking. Yeah. And uh, he said, oh, yeah, you could. I go, really? And before he left his office, I made a uh, an offer on a 24 unit. And that was the 24 unit we ended up owning. So oh, wow. just understanding the scale of it really made a difference for us. I like the safety factor of it. I like the low interest rates. I like the... Uh, in Canada, we get what's called CMHC insurance, which is kind of like your 
uh, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac programs. Uh, so longer amortizations, different stuff like that. So really be able to have your have your buildings cash flow. And, you know, I find that investors, uh, because multifamily is treated like a business, they also are more comfortable in stuff like that because it is a business. It's not like, you know, buying one house or two houses, that's not really a business. Um, but buying, buying a multifamily is. Yeah, I think uh, I love multifamilies, and um, like we talked about, but I think that really is also easier too for investors to digest because, for example, if we went straight storage units, not everyone's comfortable with that, understands it, how it works, and mm-hmm. or mobile home parks or um, senior housing, they might not fully understand the big picture. Some of them might not be their appetite. I think housing is generally most people's appetite because people need a home to live in, regardless of being a commercial property. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you, you know what we found too, like uh, we were, we've been all residential multi, um, but just recently I was telling you that we bought that, uh, we got about 250 units in Memphis. Donald Trump's group just bought $30 million worth of real estate in the same city, residential. And in wow. the past they kind of stuck, stuck with hotels and, and retail and stuff like that. So what does that tell you? What do they think is going to happen going forward? Residential. Yep, you're absolutely right, and then the fact that the other big, um, you know, players are buying there in the same area, that's good to you for you to know too, and you can figure out what they're going to do because they're probably going to change the landscape of the area anyways through commercial investments. So that would help your property uh, gain hopefully more equity, more um, residual income. Absolutely, yeah. And can we? It's still good to know. It's like a, you know, almost a pat in the back saying, "Oh yeah, this is we're doing the same thing." So. Exactly. It's a smart move because you know they're going to invest a lot of capital into those buildings that they bought. $30 million especially, they're going to invest a lot of capital back. So that basically improves the area really quickly. Oh, it does. Yeah. And there's a huge need there too. You know, a lot of workforce housing needed in that area. So that's the other part we really like. Yeah. And hopefully it changes. It creates a lot of jobs over there and opportunity and the landscape changes to um, just improve the community, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Perfect. We're about to wrap up right now, but is there any like you know final words you want to give to the audience and let them know like how can they really get motivated, get moving, and change? It's already it's already almost half the year now. Like, what did people do in the last six, four months, five months? You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? I I'm a big believer. You and I talked about this. Uh, you need a coach. Uh, you need a mentor. Somebody who can help you take things to the next level. And just remember that that person has to be somebody who's done what you want to do, not uh, your uncle, broke uncle or, uh, or uh, you know, that sort of thing. And, and that's, I think, one of the biggest things people need to wrap their head around. And if you're taking advice from people who are not doing what you want to do, well, that's 100% on you. That's true. Thank you so much, Edna, for being on our show today. And I'm so glad to have you here. How can people reach out to you? You know, the best way, uh, my website, ednakeep.com. I'm on Facebook as well. If they want to reach out and message me or or, uh, follow me, uh, it's Coach Edna Keep. Uh, uh, But those are probably the two best ways to connect with me. Great. Thank you so much. Be sure to check out Edna Keep at ednakeep.com, and we'll talk to you soon. Um, We're going to hopefully create a big event soon and then have everyone come in and talk more and create, you know, a lot of value to all the people who want to invest in real estate, get started in real estate and buy and sell real estate. But thanks so much, um, everyone. Check out our podcast, The Truth About Real Estate, and we'll see you soon on the next one. Have a good day.